You know, the idea of community is such a buzzword today. It seems like everyone is promoting the idea of community. It was uh, Starbucks who came up with the idea of the third place uh, or third space uh, between home, work, and then they wanted, that was, that was part of their strategy is that we could be uh, people's third space that they exist in because we can somehow build this coffee community around atmosphere and whatnot. Uh, but community is something that gets thrown around a whole lot. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I feel like we end up settling so much time for lesser versions than what God intended. But if you think about it, we have so much familiarity, if that's how you de define community. I mean, there's office cooler community, and there's Facebook community, and then there's cubicle community. Um, and we have youth sports community, which is a bit aggressive. And uh, <clears throat> we have community at the gym, maybe through a book club, uh, maybe in our neighborhood, uh, and certainly at our regular coffee spot. But community is all around us. The question that I, I have to wrestle with is, at no other point in the history of civilization have we been more connected to one another, and yet, at no other point have people felt more disconnected from relationships, like real vital relationships. Levels of depression are huge. Levels and feelings of isolation and alienation are huge. People feel unheard or unknown or misunderstood. So I think it's worth talking about what we think might come really natural. And tonight, I want to talk about a practice of community. And I would simply start by saying this. I think the practice of community is learning to find what's common among us. I think if we're willing to do the hard work, if we're willing to put in the time, what we'll discover is that even though on the surface someone feels unrelatable, we can find common ground. I believe this because I understand how God has created each of us, and that is with the Imago Dei. The Imago Dei is simply the image of God that we all bear. Well, that's not a physical statement. That's not a, uh, <coughs> uh, it's, it's not a necessarily a, a, a mental or, or an intellectual statement or an emotional one. It has to do with who we are. And if God's created us in his image, then I think it's only a matter of time, if we're willing to put in the effort, to find what's common among us. I think we have all had that experience. Maybe it's because of someone you had to sit near in school or someone that you sat near at work or were required to work with, or someone that you might have moved onto the same block with, someone that you would have never have chosen as necessarily a friend or someone to break bread with. But over time, you began to really appreciate them, not for how they're the same, but for how they're unique. You found what was common among you, right? You can think about those kind of, oh, they're just a really interesting person that I really actually enjoy working with. And I'm contending that if we do the hard work, we can find what's common among us. It's why, it's why we can relate to someone who's from sub-Saharan Africa or from the other side of the tracks. It's why someone who was, came up and didn't go to college can relate to someone who has three advanced degrees. See, this is what it means to begin to practice community. 
But what I think ends up happening is, and the world tells us, that you're so unique that you can't relate to someone that doesn't necessarily look just like us. Now, I think uh, we all have these relational needs within us uh, <coughs> uh, because that's part of how God has designed us. And in the early story, part of our creation makeup, if we just review where we got started, we have at the very beginning in the creation story, Genesis chapter 2, that God says these words that it's not good for man to be alone. And so he'll make a suitable helper for him. I think this is a key verse. It understands the relational needs. So what did God do? <laughs> he created dog so man could have his best friend, right? Because that's what happened next. No, what he did was he created a helper because what a helper is not the best term. That, that there's something lost in translation. He created a soulmate. He created something that would be the best possible complement because what we have in the creation story, and again, let me just just say this as a parenthetical statement. We read into so much of the, um, the nature of God a masculine quality, maybe because of the Trinity, Father and Son and Holy Spirit. So, so we see this masculine nature. But what I believe happens is that you see the fullness of God in the fullness of creation. That is the male and femaleness represented in humanity. That's the fullness of God. So what God does in the creation orders, he identifies very early when there's just one of the species that there is an inherent relational need. And so God addresses the relational need. And so inherent in all of us is this desire for community. Um, so before you have sin, and before there's the devil, and before there's fruit that's gone bad, God says that it's, it's not good for man to be alone. See, what we're created for is to know and be known by others. And this truth helps explain why people from different walks of life can find such unique points of interest. It also goes behind what I think is part of the vision of Mission Hills is to not just target one life stage, but to make room for the generations so that people who are in their 20s can glean from people who are in their 70s. From people who are newly married can glean from people who've been married for 20 years. From people who are not married can find fellowship with people who are struggling in their marriage. Because there's no perfect life stage, but we need each other, and God ordered it this way. I found something that was that just kind of captured this, or maybe illustrated this so well. I don't know how many of you are a fan of Glenn Hansard, Marquita Araglova. They, they put together a little group uh, and made a movie called Once. Um, Once uh, was one of the best, uh, I would say it this way, total bias, it had the best soundtrack out there of any movie produced. Um, they were called The Swell Season, but they, they put together a movie, um, just a wonderful soundtrack, and it became a Broadway musical. Well, in Toronto, Canada, it was playing as a Broadway production uh, at, at a historic theater, and the cast got together and decided that they were going to, and one of the featured songs is a song called Falling Slowly, and they put out a, a kind of a casting call looking for 100 people to show up to play along 
with the song called Falling Slowly. I just want you to see this video. It happened last April. Uh, let's, let's we didn't think we'd get even a hundred, but we've got people lined up around the block already. It's just past 11. They were asked to come at 12. Here we go. Well, we're here for the once uh, hundred guitars. It's supposed to be hundred guitars. I think it's 500 now. I I'm looking forward to see how 500 guitars sound playing the same song. 800 people have shown up. I don't know what we're going to do. Next time, I think we're going to have to do kazoos. It seems like there may be more than 100 guitars. <laughs> I think I think we're up to we're up to a little over 900, which is not too bad. Eh? It's hard enough to get four people to play a song together. What's 900 going to sound like? I don't know. I'm very excited. This is a huge theater full of guitarists. Really excited. It's a once in a lifetime experience. singing harmonies, singing melodies, it was beautiful. I don't think I'll ever experience something like this again, no. but it was so cool, I'll never forget it. because it's a picture of what I think the church is supposed to be. You didn't see a bunch of 20-something hipsters with tight jeans playing the song. You saw, and, and I began to read and did a little research on it. There was people that hadn't picked up a guitar in 20 years, but heard about this casting call and went and found a guitar and practiced for like two weeks straight leading up to this so that they could be a part of it. You had teenagers that skipped school to show up, and all of a sudden they found what was common among us. And they come away feeling like they were part of something so special. This is what's behind the vision of an extended family who lives on mission together. Oh my gosh, you care about that too? Oh my goodness, you pray too? Oh my goodness, can I do this with, and all of a sudden, people who are estranged from family, people who have moved away from family, people who are in need of family, find a faith family. And they come together and realize 
we don't have to look the same and we don't have to be educated the same and we don't have to earn the same. We don't have to be in the same life stage for us to find a richness because of we are image bearers of a living God. The second thing that I think happens isn't just that we need to practice at finding what's common among us. I think the second practice uh, <clears throat> is that we where we work to discover our potential and find our contribution. Now, typically, we don't think of needing to practice community. Either you walk in and you like someone or you don't. You feel at home or you don't. There's something that feels kind of natural about community. So why is it that we should practice it? Because if we're willing to do the hard work again, if we're willing to go a little further, I think we can actually get better. That is, in my language, discover our potential. But being a community, like being in a community also requires a contribution. Otherwise, that just makes us out to be consumers. So it's not just what I get from this community. It's what this community needs from me. So tonight, there are people who are working with kids, not necessarily because they feel called to kids, though they might be a mom. And you could argue, well, moms feel called to kids, sure. But they feel called to teach kids on how to have an awareness of the presence of God and afford us just a few quiet moments. See, there's, there's a way to find a contribution. There's people that are opening up their homes, or there's people that are planning our next outreach so that we can actually live on mission together. There's this beautiful thing that happens when we get together, and it's like, it's like being a workout buddy. See, sometimes I worry that the church becomes so accessible and so convenient and so comfortable that it becomes like all the people show up for church because we like the sport outfits and we like the sport drinks, but we don't actually want to break a sweat. To which I would say, there's not a lot of life change in that. So what I'm inviting you to do is not only discover or find your potential, but to find your contribution. That's what it means to be a part of any healthy family system. When our kids were young, we did pretty much everything for them. But the older our kids got, we began to share responsibilities with them because, well, we're trying to raise good adults, <laughs> high-functioning people that know how to take care of stuff, right? At some point, I need to stop cutting my kids' meat. <laughs> no, you should learn to use a, a knife and fork too, right? Same thing that happens within the family of God is that we come together and celebrate how we're growing in our faith. And by the way, when we're sick, when we're in need, we lean on each other and we're able to receive because that's what family does. See, I'm convinced that the metaphor that, that, that people are most desirous of, that is most compelling in our culture today, is that of a family. Most people feel like they're at odds. So many people have avoid family all year long until it gets to the holidays. Some people move away from family to create a healthy buffer. And I'm saying there is something God designed family to be, and I understand that family is, well, flawed, just like we are. But I think it's a compelling argument for how to be in relationship with one another. So the practice of community is where we work to discover our potential and find our contribution together. It was a few years ago. My wife has been uh, 
Well, I think she just ran her 16th marathon uh, this, this February. Uh, she has this weird goal to run like one a year. She says till 60, I would say till her legs give out. Uh, but she also wants to like do this bucket list thing, which I think is, is inappropriate for her because she's like, and my bucket list would be my whole family run a marathon with me, to which I'm like, bucket lists are personal. Like you should keep that to yourself. <laughs> like I'll do mine, you do yours. But she came home a few years ago from this marathon uh, and it was, it was the Austin Marathon and um, it was, it was kind of neat to hear her side of the story uh, because she was running with someone who for most of the miles was trying to get rid of her because she felt like she couldn't keep up and she was trying to be polite, but she felt like she was the burden. And if you're ever around a running community, they're this overly enthusiastic crowd of people. Like they like to cheer a lot and like they're really positive. So if you're ever like struggling in down place, sneak into the last mile of a marathon and you will be the most uplifted person in all the world. But she's running with this gal uh, who they've done some training runs together and she's not gonna like bail on her. They just, Laurel is not trying to set a personal record. She's not trying to like qualify for Boston. She's just doing this race as kind of a health slash social thing. And so the whole way she's just nudging her and prompting her. And what she came home and said is, it really helped me. It helped me keep on task. It helped me be strong for her. And she talks about all the benefits that she received in being the encouragement and sticking by her friend. To which her friend on Monday morning called her with the report that said, Laurel, I would have walked if I would have even finished at all, if it weren't for you telling me, reminding me that I can do it. It was a win-win relationship. See, the practice of community is not just when we find our contribution, it's also when we discover what we're really capable of. Excuse me. So I got to thinking, um, we all need someone to help us push through those final miles and remind us of what we're capable of and encourage us with their presence, direct us with wisdom. Not only that, but we need people to find, uh, find where we can offer that to another. And so who helps you finish strong? Who do you lean on? Who do you go to when you're embarrassed to ask for help, but you know you need help, who do you call for help? Chances are it might start with family or it might start with someone that feels almost like family. I, I said a couple weeks ago, m most of us would rather be on the giving end of favors than on the receiving end of favors just because the receiving end feels a little too humbling. Maybe it feels a little too out of control for people who battle control issues. And yet, there's something so significant when we feel like we're able to give of ourselves to another. It helps bond a person to us. So um, I got to thinking and going through what scripture talks about in terms of being a community. And in the New Testament, there's probably 50 or so references to um, the phrase one another, which is a good phrase 
to, to kind of focus in on if you do a little word search. Now, there's a whole lot of greet one another with a holy kiss. So once you start to reduce some of those <laughs> um, repeats and um, limit the kissing, you start to realize the picture that God has for what it means to be in community. And this was all throughout the New Testament. And so if they're in your bulletin tonight. Hopefully you got one as you walked in tonight. But I included some of them um, for you. But I'll just read a few of them and, and start to realize what can actually happen. Well, it depends on how we define our church. So be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law of Christ. Stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your own mind to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Serve one another in love. Carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be patient and compassionate toward one another, forgiving each other just as God forgave you. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Bear with, one, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart. Encourage one another. Build each other up. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic and compassionate, humble. Offer hospitality to one another. All of a sudden, we start to get a very clear picture of what it means to be the church. Now, you've heard me say that so much of our faith sort of gets reduced to our church attendance. And yet all of us would hold more our faith more near and more dear and more real than that. And so what we're trying to do is figure out a way to express faith. And that's where we came up with our seven rhythms to express faith very tangibly, very practically, but beyond simply gathering at a worship service. Because if you start to go through this list you start to see just a very small few of these that can actually be accomplished when we gather. We can do some encouragement here tonight, and we can do some teaching, and we can certainly do some singing of some spiritual songs and some hymns. But outside of that, and maybe do some serving of one another, but beyond that, there's a much greater scope that God intended his church to be for it to actually be transformational. So the practice of community both on the giving end and the receiving end, is intended to be transformational. And it's not supposed to just come from people just like us. And so there's this beautiful picture of what it means to be the church when we can figure it out together. Church was supposed to be more than an event. And so we are choosing kind of a slow growth model. We're choosing kind of a soft start as we begin Mission Hills Church. Because what I wanted to do from the very beginning, from our outset, is understand that whether we're in tribes on a Sunday night or whether we're gathered for corporate worship, they're just two sides of the same church coin. So that we can come together and be the body. 
that we could not only grow our relationships, that we could grow on mission together. So let me just outline what, what it looks like for us to be in community. Because I think a lot of people end up saying, um, <coughs> we're going to just look to build community. And community as an end in and of itself doesn't actually reproduce. Community ends with people getting closer and closer, which is awesome, but it gets harder and harder for new ones to access. And so what we want to do is grow a community that has a dimensional purpose. Some would say a three-dimensional lifestyle. Another way I've talked about that is creating a living faith. And so I like to think of having um, our our faith or our corporate faith having an inward dim dimension, that we could grow in our identity in Christ. And so more than just sort of changing our behavior, um, we could learn to change our desires, our attitudes, our motives, so that there could be something that happens internally more than externally, right? For us to grow inward, there needs to be something that changes on, on a heart level. Um, because it's easier to change something cosmetically than it is to change something surgically. But there's an inward journey. So when we dive into scripture and when we dive into the wounds and when we dive into the hurts, we begin to understand how God is molding and shaping our lives. It's hard to really see that kind of growth, but what you can do is see that over time, God begins to heal broken hearts. God begins to reveal. The second way that I think happens is that, that we have an outward dimension. And, and so we can't just live and try and throw parties for ourselves. We, we need to live with an outward focus. And that is just simply being attentive and aware of the needs among us. And so whether it be the needs in our tribes or whether it be the needs in the world. And I think God has called us to be ambassadors. So when we hear Jesus's proclamation that says the time has come, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. I think that's his invitation for us as citizens of heaven to be a part of bringing a little heaven on earth to where there's hell on earth. And we can author an, a redemptive and a restorative story because we understand whose we are. And the third piece of that dimension is very simply an upward component that our lives would begin to declare God's work. Now, part of that is us coming together in corporate worship, but there would be a vertical dimension. So we want to cultivate our inner life, whether it be our prayer life or our, our, our spiritual disciplines, our ability to come together in worship together. But it's recognizing that my life is not my own and everything that I have is simply but a gift. So then my life becomes a living offering or a living sacrifice. It's simply a matter of perspective, but that perspective becomes transformational. Now, that three-dimensional life is not necessarily new or innovative, and other people have said it. I would add one more piece to it and maybe call it my four-dimensional life because if we have an inward piece where we're working on our, the condition of our heart and we have an outward piece where we're actually being attentive to other people's needs with the Spirit's prompting, but there's an upward piece, I would say that the fourth dimension that sometimes we miss is the withward piece. 
I think I just made up that word, the withward piece. Uh, the withward piece is simply what it means to be in community because I don't think the Christian life is ever supposed to be experienced in isolation. I don't think we're ever supposed to grow our faith alone. There was supposed to be a gathering where faith is supposed to be both shared and practiced, and that is the significance. That is the value of the body of Christ. That's why the Hebrew writer would say, don't give up on the gathering or the meeting together. Um, there is so much value in when we come together um, because of what it does for us. So some of us may stumble in here. Some of us might limp in here on any given week, and there's room for that. Because when I'm weak, you might be strong. And when I'm strong, you might feel weak. And there's room for that at this table. See, that's the picture of what it means to practice community. So the first thing I think it starts with is practicing ability to find what's common among us. You look at someone who looks unrelatable, make it your challenge. You go, I can't even relate to them. Okay, work at it. Because you are an image bearer of a living God. There's something there. And that is always a good place to start when you have a difficult boss <coughs> or a loud neighbor <laughs> or, or, or a challenging coworker or a bad, you know, ex-husband or, you know, there is this ability to find God's image in someone. Um, but then once you find the community, it's we work towards not only finding or discovering our potential, working to find our contribution. And once we find that, I think we will find something that will feel transformational. So let's, uh, we're going to just gather up and we're going to have the worship band come up and we're going to sing a couple more songs tonight. But let me just pray about the idea of community together. Father, I believe you're birthing something that's transformational. I believe people are already being touched by this. I thank you for the reports coming out of our tribes. I thank you for the emails that I'm receiving. I thank you for the visits that I've made where you just seem present. I thank you for the growing awareness of your presence in our lives. I pray that you would just help us to see that which you see. And show us, Lord, how you've created us to make a contribution. Show us, Lord, the areas that we might need to grow in so that we can live up to a potential that you have in us. We just put ourselves at your feet and we look upwards to you and just want to declare your worth in these moments. I pray that you just minister to our hearts and our minds and that your spirit would speak with clarity to us. In Jesus' name, amen.